everyone. It's Lisa Bynell Stevens. I'm the podcast host for 12 Afternoons of Hope. And as usual, it is great to be on here to share with you uh, the Word of God. And so for those of you who don't know me, I am the founder and the creator of this podcast. I'm also a licensed wedding officiant and a counselor therapist in Ontario, Canada. Love every minute of both of those things. I also like to write and I like to speak whether it's in church or outside of church, I love it all. And so one of my most favorite things is to dig in the word and to teach. And so a little while, a little while back, God really laid on my heart to do this podcast. And you know what? I've been having a lot of fun. I especially have fun looking to see who's listening to me, which I think is so amazing. I grew up very internationally based as a kid in New York um, and also in Toronto. Um, in a, you know, and so always grew up with lots of different cultures. So I love the fact that there's a lot of different people listening to me all around this globe. That is awesome. So for those of you who are coming back to listen to me, welcome back. And for those of you who are new, welcome. It's amazing. Love you all. Um, I'm on, um, in fact, you can always reach me through my 12 Afternoons of Hope Facebook page. You can definitely give me a shout there. You can also email me at 12afternoonsofhope at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments, or if you just want to say hi, hey, just, you know, message me. So we are on the third part of my Shiny Things series. First part was on stars. The second part was on brass. And now we're on another interesting part, nails. In fact, I've, I've called this section, Every Carpenter need, Needs Nails. Every Carpenter Needs Nails. And I'm going to share with you how I came, how I kind of transitioned or mulled over this whole thing. You know me, I like to ask God questions and then I wait to see how he answers. And so that's part of the reason why I'm not on here as much as I want to, because I'm too busy thinking and meditating on what God's telling me. <laughs> that's the honest goodness truth. And things kind of transition out of that, which I think is awesome. So today I'm going to share with you a little bit about what how this whole podcast today kind of came to be, what was behind it. And so take out some old fashioned paper, pen and pencil and take some notes. I'm all for technology, especially I, right now we're going through this coronavirus, um, you know, uh, pandemic. And so for those of you who might listen to this way in the future, what, you know, at that time, I'm really hoping all this has kind of died down because many people have died and a lot of people have really lost a lot um, and so, but yeah, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's what I'm talking about. And so technology really has been our friend. It's really kept us connected. I'm all for technology. But one thing I've discovered during the season is that when I'm trying to sit down and concentrate on something, whether it's work or a conversation with somebody, 5 million notifications will pop up and it's so distracting. I find it actually this morning, I was actually trying to do one new Bible study about the Lord's Prayer and it was so distracting. <laughs> So all the notifications. And so I actually put put it aside and said to myself and said to a friend that I'm going to do it later and really consciously make sure I'm not distracted by notifications and whatnot. So that's one of the reasons why I say get some old fashioned pen, paper, pencil and jot down the pass the passages that I'm going to share with you and whatever else comes to your mind and just kind of mull over it slowly. Really, we need to mull over things slowly for sure. And so let's dive in to Every Carpenter Needs Nails, part three of the Shiny Things series. 
And so I'm kind of fascinated over the fact that God didn't show me the shiny things I was thinking about. And you know, like I was thinking about jewels, <laughs> that kind of stuff, gold. I kind of touched on gold in another series, actually. And so you might want to dig through some previous podcasts for 12 Afternoons of Hope. Um, and yeah, but no, this was this little three-part series was a very pleasant surprise. So um, yeah, and nails, you know what? I'll be honest with you. Nails are necessary. <laughs> My husband, if you heard me talking to you right now, he'd be laughing because I am, I'm a person who's very creative. I love doing lots of creative things. Anybody who knows me knows I am so, I'm such a creative person. And I got really fascinated over the construction of things because yeah, I like to sew and whatnot, which is a different kind of construction. But um, my husband gave me a drill because he's that type of reno kind of guy, right? And when he gave me the drill, which I asked for, by the way, I got all excited because I wanted to use the drill. So I obviously put up a lot of pictures in my in my home. I love art and that kind of thing. So there's a picture upstairs, though, <laughs> of a vacation from way back when in Greece. That's not the picture doesn't set up very well. It's actually falling down. Um, the nails that I drilled in the wall, they're staying, but they're not quite even. <laughs> just saying. And so the reason being is because when I drilled, <laughs> don't laugh at me. No, you know, what? go ahead and laugh at me. I drilled and I hit something. <laughs> so my husband's like, Lisa, you know, you might've actually hit a pipe, which I think I actually did, but didn't go right through. Thank you, Jesus. So basically that's a really great example. Nails are necessary. In my case, they're very necessary because I like to hang things up on the wall that remind me of you know, people I love, of pictures or pictures that remind me of places that I've been or, you know, different. I'm looking at something right now in my kitchen from Italy. You know, so I have things on my wall that really mean to me, mean something to me. So nails are important, right? And typically speaking, they are because they hold things together. They hold things up, right? So, but I'll tell you, I didn't actually start the Shiny Things Part 3 series focusing on nails. I actually was focusing on something else, which I'll get to you, get to, uh, I'll explain to you in a minute. Let's start though by reading Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, and we're going to start with verse 22, and I'm reading from the Amplified version. So just let you know, most times I will be reading from uh, the New King James version. Occasionally I'll read from NIV version. Um, and then I really have this this real this real love for the Amplified version of the Bible. So in this case, it really works. So I'm going to be reading from the Amplified version um, right now, from Acts chapter two, starting at at verse twenty two, and I'm going to be reading to verse or until verse thirty six. And in this passage, we have Paul, once disciple, now officially apostle. And this is after the Holy Spirit came, as promised. And so we have that famous event where the Holy Spirit came, filled people, and there was a crowd building outside. So Peter gets up and he's speaking to the crowd. This is an awesome sermon that he gives. It starts off, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man accredited and pointed out and attested to you by God with the power to perform miracles and wonders and signs which God worked through him in your very midst, just as you yourselves know. This man 
when handed over to the Roman authorities according to the predetermined decision and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross and put to death by the hands of lawless and godless men. But God raised him up, releasing him and bringing an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held by death's power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord constantly before me, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken from my state of security. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue exulted exceedingly. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope, that is, will encamp in anticipation of the resurrection. For you will not forsake me and abandon me, my, abandon my soul to Hades, the realm of the dead nor let your Holy One undergo decay after death. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will fill me, infusing my soul with joy with your presence. Brothers, I may confidently and freely say to you regarding the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so being a prophet and knowing fully that God has sworn to him with an oath that he would seat one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke prophetically of the resurrection of the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, that he was not abandoned in death to Hades, the realm of the dead, nor did his body undergo decay. God raised Jesus bodily from the dead, and of that fact we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out his blessing, which you both see and hear. For David ha did not ascend into the heavens, yet he himself says, The Lord the Father said to my Lord the Son, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel rejoice or recognize beyond all doubt that God has made him both Lord and Christ, Messiah, anointed, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now today's focus is on the nails, but my mind, kind of like I was saying to you just now, was originally on something else. It actually was on the tabernacle. A good friend of mine and I, she and I have been going through some tabernacle-related Bible studies all about the tabernacle, meaning the insides of it, the construction of it, the, the flow of it, all this, right? So in Exodus chapter 25 to 20, from verses 23 to 30, it talks about how, um, how it's constructed. And specifically, when it gets to verse 26 of Exodus 25, it talks about how you shall make for it four rings of gold and fasten the rings to the four corners at its four legs. So it's talking about how the construction of the tabernacle was, there's fastening, fasteners on it, right? And so I started to mull this over some more. And I said to myself, you know what? There's a structure to this. And then, as I said, things are fastened together to, not that the tabernacle was a permanent thing, because it wasn't. God actually had some more permanent structures. And today we have more permanent structures, most of us meet in churches. Of course, 
you know, coronavirus has kind of massaged that a little bit, but we tend to have more permanent structures when we meet. Even if we meet in someone's house, it's a permanent structure. But the tabernacle was not intended to be a permanent structure. It was like a temporary structure. And um, the Israelites used it as a tented structure and they would, you know, they went around the wilderness and they took this around with them and they set it up. And, you know, really the tabernacle was exposed. It was, it was in usually, I mean, the wilderness was not a great place. It was dry. It was rocky, um, probably windy, deserty kind of thing, if there's such a word. But there's a reason why it was called the wilderness, right? But the point is that, you know, this tabernacle was meant to be torn down and to be put up wherever they went, wherever the Israelites went. It was, you know, they tore down the tabernacle, put it back up. But, you know, the point that I'm trying to make is that this tabernacle also was out in this really, in the, in the elements kind of thing. It was out, you know, it was set up in wide open spaces and, and endured the elements. So it had to be fastened together. It had to make sure, or the, the Israelites had to make sure that it was pretty well set up, right? All of a sudden, I said to myself, wait a minute. Jesus was secure on the cross. I just put this together. And so my mind started because of what I was learning about the tabernacle and how it's a picture of our relationship with God, how Christ is in that whole setup as well. And it's something to really study. I will you know, highly recommend going on version and really look at the, at the Bible plans associated with the tabernacle for sure, because Jesus is all in there. And so I started to put this together. So I'm going to share with you this whole part about Jesus and the nails, but I wanted to share that with you. That's where actually, this is where my study actually started. And so right off the bat, I'm going to let you know um, the, the crucifixion of Jesus, how he was crucified wasn't a typical crucifixion. Usually someone was tied on a cross and then they would hang them out for days. I know we just studied or we just had Easter a couple weeks ago. Uh, right now there's Orthodox Easter, right? Some of my Greek friends were just last weekend um, having their Greek Easter. Um, and so when we think about the crucifixion, we know Jesus was nailed, but that wasn't a typical thing. What was more typical was to have someone tied to a cross. They were hanging there for a few days up for everybody you know, to see out in the open, enduring the elements, right? Just like the tabernacle kind of idea, out and exposed, right? Now, Jesus, though, was nailed. And they probably did that because they wanted to quicken his death. That's what Bible scholars actually say. They wanted to, you know, those that crucified Jesus really wanted to know that he was going to die. So that's why he was fastened to the cross. And so um, nails, just to let you know, nails were driven through his wrist. So, you know, he was stretched out. Both his arms were stretched out. And on one end of the cross, one, you know, one nail went through one of his wrists. On the other end of the cross, Another nail went through the other wrist and his feet were tied together and a nail went through his ankles, most likely. Right. And I said, then he was hung there to to die. So as you can tell, as I said, there's a there's a there's a similarity between how the tabernacle was fastened together, but it wasn't meant to be permanent. And at the same time, Jesus was nailed to the cross, fastened to the cross. Right. But they didn't want him to be there. Those who killed him didn't want him to be there for a long time either. 
So I find that fascinating that the tabernacle, even in the fastening of the outer rings, you know, also mirrored the cross. But I also saw some other stuff I'm going to share with you. So here are some points about the nails. Number one, the nails showed me that to make sure, or at least the nails were used to make sure that nothing will be able to dismantle the work that God wanted to do to take care of sin. The tabernacle was a place where sin was taken care of. Jesus took care of our sins on the cross too. And so the fact that he had to stay up there, they made sure that those nails went in and had him in, you know, had him in place that he had to stay. And he knew that was going to happen too, right? And because he stayed there securely on the cross, there was a victory that was necessary through those nails going into him. Outside forces like the tabernacle, you know, out in the open, outside forces would be there to kind of impact, you know, the the tabernacle. However, outside forces couldn't have victory to take it down. The same thing with Jesus. The nails went in there to hold him in place for our sin. And so the work of the cross, the victory over our sin is there, right? Number two, the nails represent the violence, the violence that is that was necessary to match the violence of the enemy. So Jesus died, I mean, what I described to you just now, that's a violent death, to nail someone to the cross. As I said, they typically tied people to the cross. They didn't nail them. Right. So but Jesus was nailed. That's pretty violent. Right. But you know what? I said to myself, the Bible is actually filled with a lot of violence. <laughs> right. And I said, I asked, I said, God, why? And there's a lot of passages that are really rough to read. Let's be real. Right. Um, and I said, God, wh God, why do you have such violence? Well, then it, it struck me when I started to mull over the nails, the fact that the enemy is also very violent. He does some really violent things even in our world today. In fact, the more wicked the enemy is, you can guarantee there's a very violent act associated with him. So it only, it's only natural, it's only not natural, but it's only logical that if Jesus is going to conquer all those violent acts, that he will also have to equally die a very violent death. So tying him to the cross won't do it. He had to be nailed down. So a good example of one of these violent acts that kind of mirrors Jesus' death. You remember Jael, the woman Jael in Judges chapter 4, verses 22 to 20, 21 to 22, Judges 4, 21, 22. This woman has like a little bit of appearance. <laughs> She makes me laugh. She shows up such a little appearance she has, and she does this really violent thing and conquers the enemy, like wins a battle, okay? So she takes a tent peg. Notice how it's a tent peg. Notice how it's a tent peg, because a tabernacle technically is a tent, and then Jesus dies with nails. I don't think this is a coincidence. But she takes a random tent peg and nails it into a sleeping enemy, Sisera, and he's dead. And then, the, the, you know, because of that, the children of Israel had a victory, 
right? And, and so it's such a great example. And as I said, notice the similarities in Jael's action, right? And so because Jesus died very violently on the cross, you know what? Those nails really went towards the enemy. It really, they really did. That violence equaled what the enemy still does in our day. So that's why Jesus had to die a violent death. Number three, the nails were said to be made of iron and they're about five to seven inches long. That's what Bible scholars said. Now, to expand on this earlier, you remember I said how they went through Jesus' wrist and probably his ankles, right? So I pictured as about three nails. Now, these numbers are no coincidence. <laughs> three nails, I'm going to say, represent the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? And there's three days. After three days, Jesus rose himself from the dead, which also mirrors his famous miracle when he went and rose Lazarus from the dead after three days of being dead, which is written in John 11, right? So there's no coincidence that there's three nails. Then the numbers five to seven represent something else. Number five represent the number of grace and goodness. And we see that the five, the number five, for instance, in Mark six, Jesus uh, fed uh, he took five loaves and five and two fishes, rather, and he fed about 5,000 men and children and women on top, right? So that's that famous, um, there's that famous um, uh, miracle that he did. There's also another story uh, in the Old Testament with Joseph. And so that's in uh, Genesis 43. When Joseph uh, encounters his brothers, um, he particularly gives his brother Benjamin five times as much as his other brothers. So there's another picture of grace, right? De despite all the sin, despite everything, you know, that his brothers did to him, he's extending his grace towards Benjamin, right? So there's a great example. Of course, the number seven reminds us of how God in the creation he completed everything in seven days and he declared it was good. Now notice how the similar lingo comes out when Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished. That kind of also solidifies the fact that he is God. He is the son, right? Because he's using similar lingo, right? And similar things are happening to confirm who he is. And so therefore, he's nailed to the cross. Who else would have gone to the cross but God himself for us? He sent his only son for us to die on the cross. So these things, these little details, about, even about the nails, solidify that. Number four, it confirms that Jesus is the entry point for us to have a better life and an eternal life with him. So in John 10, it says, so Jesus says again, in John 10, 7, it says, so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And who and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, I, came, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. If you go to 1 Chronicles 22, First Chronicles 22, 
In this passage, David goes to help Solomon prepare to bring, build the temple. And there's an interesting coincidence, not even coincidence, interesting parallel that happens here. In 1 Chronicles 22, verse 2, it says, So David gave orders to gather the foreigners who were in the land of Israel, and he set stone cutters to hew out stones to build the house of God. David prepared large quantities of iron to make the nails for the doors of the gates and for the clamps and more bronze that could be weighed. Here is a reference to the nails and the doors and the gates reinforcing connection and the idea that which Jesus said himself that Jesus being nailed to the cross right after or not, well, not right after, but soon after he declared himself as a door confirms that he's the prime entry point for us to get to God. Number five, the nails confirm that the work is done for us. As I said, Jesus said it is finished, right? In John 20, verses 24 to 29, Jesus specifically appears to Thomas. And I know we make fun of Thomas, and I know there's a famous preacher right now that really did a really good word recently on Thomas. Let's stop calling him Doubting Thomas. You know what? It's all about what he saw. So in this passage of John 20, verses 24 to 29, Jesus appears to Thomas. And it says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came, so that the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the doors, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. The nails are the proof, but it's even more proved or even more proof because they're not there anymore, which is awesome. I'm going to pray in conclusion, but I just want to thank you for listening. And you know what? If you have any questions or comments or just stuff you want to share, as I said, give me a shout at the 12 Afternoons of Hope Facebook page or by emailing me at 12 Afternoons of Hope. But I'm going to end off our uh, study encouraging you to keep reflecting on these um, passages that I've shared with you today. But I'm definitely going to close in prayer for all those who are doubting. Maybe you have stuff in your life right now that's really, really wrecking your faith. Or maybe you have some struggles that are really wrecking your faith. Or you think you're not good enough or you think you can't believe. Wherever you're at, I'm going to close in prayer with you right now. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word, and I thank you for the Holy Spirit. And I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice right now. Lord, I just pray for anybody who's really struggling with their faith and doubting where they're at, doubting you, 
maybe because of circumstances or maybe, you know, because of their own struggles, Lord. Help them to focus on the work of the cross and on the nails and on what Jesus did for all of us. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Jesus. You came that we can have abundant life and only you can do this work and I thank you for it. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you continue just to speak to all those that are listening and you continue to do a good work in them. Help this word to fall on good ground. I thank you in the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. So I'm gonna sign off right now. As I said, it's always great to connect with you guys. And so, you know what? I have a new study coming up. It's another series. It's for men. So, but you know what? If you're a female out there and you want to listen in, listen in. But if you have some guys in your life, young, old, whatever, help them to tune in to the Man Cave series. It's coming up. Talk soon. You have a good time and a good day and hang in there. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.